I think you have to have a deep understanding of the vaccine and its characteristics and also the characteristics of your population. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. Welcome back to Season 2 of GIS Directions. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. I'm Josh Manman. And today we're finally going to do it. We're going to talk about the topic that's been on everybody's lips, and that is COVID-19. And in particular, we're going to be talking about the vaccine rollout. One angle that hasn't been really explored in detail is how critical GIS technology will be in the successful deployment of the vaccine. And I guess how, in a practical sense, this might impact GIS users around the world. So to help us unpack this in a way that spans the globe, today we've got somebody very special all the way from Esri UK. He wears both a GIS and a healthcare solutions hat. It is Johnny King. Welcome along, Johnny. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. So Johnny, we're at different kind of points in the journey of distributing a vaccine in our respective countries. You see this through a unique geographic lens. What are some of the lessons you've learned from the UK rollout thus far? Okay, small question to start us off there. Um, yeah, there's a couple of things that, that I've noticed so far. The first thing I noticed was that analysis and decision-making for vaccination planning, it's, it's ongoing. It's not like you make a plan and then you stop. So you do a lot of work initially to get things going, but then you continue to improve. So we had a plan initially for the Pfizer vaccine, and that required the cold transport, the cold storage, Um, So we mainly used hospitals, but still analysed population health and demographic data, and then obviously transport links. But then we've had the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine approved. And that obviously then we had a plan and that changed everything because that has different storage requirements. And so you then have to rerun your models using new parameters. And I'm sure this won't be the last time that things change again. You have to continue to analyse and make new decisions. For that planning, Johnny, what were the critical ingredients? I'm assuming it was data, but what were the key things that made for successful planning? I think you have to have a deep understanding of the vaccine and its characteristics and also the kind of the characteristics of your population. So I mentioned with the Pfizer vaccine, it needs cold storage down to minus 70 degrees. But then with your population characteristics, for instance, we had in our priority group, one was people in care homes. And you obviously they have very different transport requirements to, I don't know, a teenager or a young adult who's able to drive to their nearest vaccination centre. Whereas we used uh, mobile immunisers to actually go into care homes. And so you've got all these characteristics from, of the vaccine and your population, and you need to bring those together. And what brings those together is location. Because how do you connect them? It's with it's with travel data. So you need to have that network data set and understand the characteristics of different transport modes, and then you can start to connect the dots. And is that data readily available in the UK? Because over here, it's often an issue bringing together data on a national scale that kind of lines up in a figurative and literal sense. Yeah, obviously, it depends on the data. So We've had a a data partner over in the UK used quite a lot called Travel Time, and they provide a lot of transport data via an API. So it's really easy to access. And that's for things like um, train stations and timetables and and the same for bus stops, bus timetables, etc. So that's really easy to access. Demographics data we've got available via the Office of National Statistics. They've got a geo portal. 
and it's also in our living atlas but then obviously at a national level you're talking about also very sensitive population health data and that's very secure and the people that need access to it have got access to it but it's obviously much harder to get hold of it's really interesting to me to make the observation that we're very, very different uh, countries location-wise. And I think this is going to be probably one of the things that we share, but one of the things that we also find makes our experience through this, especially through the vaccine rollout, very, very different. So for instance, we've got uh, a different size of population spread across a much, much larger area. We live around the end edges in you know fringes of population, but mostly it's this great big desert in the middle. I've got to wonder how that's going to affect our kind of rollout? Yeah, I'd say it's a similar challenge, but in the first tranche of, of creating vaccine centres, I think it was about 95% of the population we were able to give access to. And I think that's because of the higher population density. Yeah. But then with those more rural locations, it's a very similar challenge. Obviously, it might not be talking about the same scale as in Australia, but it's quite it's a similar <laughs> <Sure>. challenge. <laughs> and it means though that you just need to take a much more local approach. So we've got about 1,400 vaccination centres in the UK now. About 800 of those are led by local doctor's surgeries. So within my kind of little market town in south of England, that's actually our local rugby club. And that's been led by about three local doctor's surgeries. They know the area. Having that local understanding is really important. So really leveraging local data and local resources, I suppose, is what you're saying there. Exactly. So the initial plan was um, very centralised and that approach was taken when the vaccinations were set up in hospitals. And we mm -hmm. also had uh, mass vaccination centres, which were set up with the kind of the whole premise of tackling the largest geographic spread as possible, but by analysing the population within that geographic spread. So which areas had a large square footage facility with a large car park and all those sorts of things, yeah. but also with a large geographic spread population-wise. Whereas in later stages, we've taken this much more um, localised approach to try and fill in those gaps. It's interesting. I, I don't have a, a huge healthcare background, so I'm looking at this at, uh, from a very you know typical GIS lens. This seems to me like we're probably well equipped to try and solve these kind of problems. They sound like the same kind of problems that we solve when you know maybe doing a site selection for a shopping centre. How far are people willing to travel? What are the travel times and travel distance? Isochrones. These are all tools that are baked into our toolkit. Are, are these the kind of tools that you're leveraging there, John? Definitely. It's the same thing that we do for other industries, for kind of normal businesses, usual work within the healthcare space. You're trying to understand your population and then you're trying to optimize the services that they get. And that is by understanding location. It's by making sure that everything is in the right place for the right people. I mean, to me, this, uh, uh, following Wayne's point, it seems really very much bread and butter GIS. It's easy to say that, but do you think the fact that it is relatively simple use of that technology, is that well understood in the UK? Yeah, it's an interesting one. We do work with the majority of government in the UK, as in kind of we work with the majority of organisations, but it's not that everyone in those organisations truly understands GIS. And I'd say that COVID has really brought GIS into the spotlight. We're seeing maps on news briefings, where it's being used to demonstrate what the plans are. And as a country, we're really getting used to seeing maps and understanding maps. It's all public facing and we're relying on spatial information. But it means that now 
when you're saying to people as well that you could analyze data, it's not just visualizing it, you can start to really understand those deeper relationships. They get it because they're used to it. It's kind of the next step in the evolution of what COVID has, has brought to the country in terms of trying to understand data. And they're getting used to it the same way they're used to analyzing data in Excel. It's much more standard now. If you want to understand how to optimally locate something, well, you need to understand where everything is. You've touched exactly on where we're all thinking. I know I was about to sort of segue into that dynamic mapping arena into thinking in that space because we've got some great tools there. We've put, Esri have pulled together a whole heap of tools to deal with the back end sort of planning of, of the COVID uh, response and, and vaccination rollouts. But what I want to talk about is that front end sort of side of things that the public get to see. And I know here in Australia, we've had daily briefings with our politicians. They're using dashboards and they're using maps to actually show where the virus is and isn't. And I think it's that dynamic, immediate nature of things like dashboards and perhaps even story maps that could be very helpful during this vaccination rollout phase in particular. Have you got any words of wisdom about how we get the message out about vaccination? In more recent weeks, I've seen a lot more information being released around the safety of the vaccine and i think that's because as we as we move through different characteristics of these of these different priority groups and some are obviously more skeptical of, of the vaccine than others or they might not have received as much education as others and again it's it's a spatial problem because we're tackling the provision of the vaccine for these priority groups in a spatial way we need to know where they are so we can provide the vaccine and whether it's the vaccine or you're providing accurate up to date information because then they can make that informed decision they're still located somewhere and you need to make sure that they receive that information where they need it. Thinking about that kind of network of, was it 800 local doctors who are taking on the role of vaccination centres, what kind of examples have you seen of GIS in action in communicating the presence or the location of those kind of centres? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I've seen examples of this in other countries where you could have that near me type functionality, we've gone completely the other way. So we've got a, a national map, so you can see where all the vaccination centers are. And very purposefully, I think it's been kept as a, a national static map. And people are being told very specifically, everyone's received texts and things from the NHS to say, you will be contacted when your appointment is due and you can call and book your appointment turn up only at that time not early not late and and we will send you the address so if you're in a local area like me and it's a small market town everyone talks and we all know oh the rugby club's the vaccination center but i think what they don't want people doing is knowing where the vaccination centers are and just turning up they want to be able to speak to the exact priority group at the exact time and then say please turn up at this exact time so they don't have lots of people queuing and they're only the people that are meant to be there are there and yeah they've taken that approach and and now that they've done it, I think actually it's a very sensible thing to do. Have you got some parting words of wisdom for us Johnny on on what you think the keys to actually getting this in the arms of your population are? <laughs> no pressure. I think it's those points that you've just mentioned. It's taking a mixture of a centralised and localised approach that at the national level, you can obviously pick where these mass vaccination centres are and, and keep watch over everything. But you still need people who understand the local landscape and are able to understand that. But then also understanding that this is it's a moving feast as different vaccines come in with the different storage requirements um, and also as transport changes, because I'm sure that we'll see our national lockdown lifted as more people become vaccinated. Sure. 
and that will change transport links again hopefully to make things easier but it's it's that being constantly adaptable and constantly understanding the the situation is going to be key oh, i think that's great advice johnny yeah, I think there's, um, there's a bit of a theme coming through from this conversation. I found it really interesting, Johnny, but we're definitely watching with great interest how things are panning out in your neck of the woods. But it feels to me like our, our GIS user community, the, the Esri community, has a massive role to play in this to make sure that the potential for GIS is up there in the conversations with decision makers. just feels like it would be a real crying shame to get to the point of reflecting on what it could have done you know when it's all all done and dusted i absolutely agree and as usual we have a lot of great resources available to support the covid vaccine rollout and the general pandemic response and they are available at gisdirectionspodcast.com.au and just before we head out a reminder if you are enjoying gis directions we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review with many stars Many stars, yes, and don't forget us on the socials, hit it up on the LinkedIn or the Twitters as well. And, of course, before we go, thanks again for joining us, Johnny. We know it's early over there in the morning. We'll let you go and grab a cup of tea and start your day. Excellent. Thank you for having me. Happy mapping. Until next time. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia. 